I thank Jesus. Well, let's thank Jesus for an offering. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on down, Grace. Thank you, Jesus. God is good. Amen. Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord God, for this tithes and offerings that you're bringing in this house. We pray, Lord God, that you would bless it, that you would bless the work of our hands, that, Lord God, that you would prosper us, Lord God, and that we would be the head and not the tail. Lord, I thank you and I praise you for each person here, and I thank you, Lord God, for their commitment to you, Lord Jesus, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord God, that you are present here among us today, and we give you, Lord, your will for this service and your will for our everyday life. Lord, and in your will for our finances, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are having kids' church today, and the kids can go back with Grandma. Gone. They're gone. Didn't take them long to go, did it? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, happy day after 4th of July. Amen? Did everybody have fun? We had a blast. Did you see the fireworks? You missed the mayhem. We had some fireworks go a little sideways on us yesterday. It was a lot of fun. But, you know, it makes me think of what's going on in the world right now with memorials and monuments and statues. Do you know I was, the title of my sermon is going to be Memorials, and memorials are there to remember. And the definition of a memorial is something, especially a structure established to remind people of a period or an event. Today in our country, our history, our foundation as a nation, And the very lives we live are under attack. Do you believe that? The very things that we believe in are under attack. And they've been under attack for a long time. And our leaders have let this happen. As the enemy gets louder and bolder, we have sat by and have been silenced. And I'm talking about the leaders of the church. Talking about the pastors. Have sat by and been silent. And there's a saying out there that their left is using to say nothing is saying something. It's one of the new sayings. You know, I've heard it several times over the month. To say nothing is saying something. Yes, dear. You know, it starts, it's a quote by a guy named Germany Kent. And this is what he says. To say nothing is saying something. You must denounce things you are against, or one might believe that you support things you really do not. Did you hear that? Let me quote it again. 
Let me say it again. To say nothing is saying something. You must denounce things you are against. Or one might believe that you support things you really do not. You know, this message might sound like I'm being a little political. Well, I'm sorry to say, but I am. Because in my heart, and I believe it's in everybody's heart, that there should not be any separation of church and state. In my heart of hearts, the church should be a huge influence on the state. In our political realm. Because it matters. It matters. Because God should be involved in everything. Correct? God should be involved in everything in your life. In your family. In your children. In your thinking. God should be number one. Period. And everybody states the famous letter by Thomas Jefferson, the separation of church and state, that it's a law. Well, they're wrong. They're flat out wrong. In 1786, Virginia statute for religious freedom gives great insight into our nation's First Amendment rights. It reads, No man shall be compelled to frequent or support any religion, religion's worship, place or ministry, whatever, nor shall be enforced in his body or goods, nor shall otherwise suffer on account of Boy, of his religious opinions or belief, but that all men shall be free to profess. And I wrote that down. All men should be free to profess. And by argument, to maintain their opinion in matters of religion. And the same shall in no wise diminish or enlarge or affect their civil capacities. It's hard reading how they wrote back then, isn't it? It's like reading the King James. And then it's even harder because I'm trying to um, figure out my own writing at the time. <laughs> but in short, the Acts affirmed what we should recognize in every era. The right to practice any faith or have no faith is a fundamental freedom for all Americans. That's what the letter of Thomas Jefferson wrote. That's what it meant. This is what is behind what Jefferson meant when he spoke of the wall of separation between, between church and state. Jefferson was not suggesting that religious people or religion, religious motivations 
should be exiled from public debate. As a matter of fact, the letter was from a religious people appealing to an elected official for their rights. It wasn't to separate the church and state. It was the total opposite. It was meant for the total opposite. For religious people to have their rights being able to be voiced in political realms. Jefferson's famous phrase came from a letter that Jefferson wrote in 1802 to the Dayberry Baptist Association in Connecticut. He was writing that letter to the Baptist Association saying that, yes, religion does have a right and a place and a voice. It should never be silenced and that people should have the freedom to worship or not worship their choice. So what I say that we should be involved in politics. The church should be involved in politics. I can remember when a judge named Judge Squalia was running for the judge here in Owego. And Judge Squalia is a Christian man. And I can remember praying for him, that he would win. I can remember our senior pastor, Tom McDonald, praying that he would get in because there would be a godly man in authority. And that's what we, as a church, should be doing. We should be praying that our, our, our officials are godly because they should make the right choices. Godly choices. You know, Lance Walnow does a teaching on it. It's called the Seven Mountains, Seven Spheres. And I would, I would like everybody to look it up on Lance Walnow, Seven Mountains. And you know what's interesting? I'm Jewish, so I can say this. The Jewish people teach their children to be the best at everything, to be the head and not the tail. They want them to be in charge of a corporation. They want them to run corporations. So as a young child, they're instilled that they should take charge. It's in their, it's in their being. It's how they're raised up. That's why there's a lot of them in law. There's a lot of them that are accountants. There's a lot of them that are running corporations. It's because that's what they were taught. And in Lance Walnow's teaching of the seven mountains, there's seven different things where we should be at the head of it. And instead, we've been taught not to. We should be influencing the church. We should be influencing the political realm. We should be influencing our family. Those are godly principles. And all this talk about tearing down monuments, trying to erase history, is all political anyways. 
You know, they have the right to intrude on our beliefs, to, to force what they believe on us. And if we don't believe like they do, then we're persecuted. Well, I'm telling you, that's been going on, persecution for a long time, for the church, for believers. Expect it. I'll tell you right now, expect it. You're going to get persecuted for your beliefs because there's a lot of people out there that do not believe the way we believe. They want to erase history. And it's all political. Really, it's all to push their agenda. They want to shut down churches. They want to keep us from gathering. They want to keep us from worship. They want us... To just to separate us from that. Because there's power in unity. And there's power in unity, especially in prayer. When two or more are gathered, it says in the word, then it shall be done, as they say, if they believe. I'm going to tell you what it truly is. It's the spirit of the Antichrist. Boils right down to it. It all goes back. To the spirit of the Antichrist. It's the spirit of the Antichrist. It's the spirit of the devil. Trying to bring in division. Separation. To shut things down. To keep us from gathering. To keep us from worshiping God. You know, memorials and monuments are so that we would remember who we are as a nation and where we've come. And to think that America is the only nation out there that has ever had slaves is wrong thinking. Slavery has been going on forever. The Israelites, when they took the promised land, took slaves thousands and thousands of years before. And to think that only white people have owned slaves is wrong too. Because there was a lot of black slave owners. There were 53 of them alone just in Virginia. You know, look at history. doesn't lie. And that's why we should remember who we are and where we've come as a nation and a people. Do you know how America was founded was to seek religious freedom? Do you know that 35 of the settlers, when they got off the Mayflower, each signed a pact to have religious freedom, to be able to worship God? 35 of them. And do you know, and that's like a memorial right there. Our Constitution is like a memorial. Our Bill of Rights is a memorial. And you know, all throughout scriptures, they built memorials. Memorials aren't anything new. They're for us to remember. And it is so important that we remember. Because if we don't remember, we can repeat history. 
We remember history so we learn from it. Moses, in Exodus chapter 24, 4, said that he got up early the next morning and he built an altar at the foot of the mountain and he set up 12 stone pillars. It made me thought, it made me think of Stonehenge. <laughs> you know, because at first when I read this, I thought, oh, he took 12 stones and he built an altar out of it. No, it said that he set up 12 stone pillars. 12 separate stones. He set them up. Representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, why would Moses do that? It's because the Lord spoke to Moses directly. Not only did he speak to Moses directly, but he also showed himself to the elders. And if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Exodus chapter 23. If not, we'll put it on the board. Because I'm going to read quite a bit of it. Exodus 23, 1 through 24, 10. And just so you know, Joe... I spelled Exodus with an E on my own notes. Girls, Julia. <clears throat> do not, let's see, Exodus 23.1. Do not spread false reports. Do not help a wicked man by being malice witness. You know what? We're going to go, we're going to skip that and go to Exodus 23, 20. Sorry. I wrote it down wrong. See, I make mistakes. All the time. See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion. Since my name is in him. Who do you think that might have been? Jesus. Holy Spirit. God all rolled up in one. I believe it's Jesus. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that he, I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. My angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Persazites, Canaanites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. Do not bow down before their gods or worship them. Or follow their practices. Boy, that sounds familiar what I've seen in the news. Pulling people out and making them bow down. And asking for forgiveness. God says, don't bow down to no man. You bow to God. Don't worship them. Or follow their practices. On the contrary, you must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. Worship the Lord your God. 
and his blessing will be on your food and your water. I will take away sicknesses from among you, and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make your enemies turn their backs and run. This is who we are. This is who you are. Think about that. Worship the Lord your God and he'll make your enemies turn and run. He'll put his terror, it'll go before you. When I was reading that, I was encouraged. I was excited. He said, I will send the horn ahead of you and drive out the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites out of your way. Can you imagine a bunch of murder hornets coming after you? <laughs> That's all I could picture in my mind. A swarm of murder hornets driving the enemy out. I tell you what, we run from a little bee like that because nobody likes to get stung, but you wait till you get a two-inch bee coming at you. <laughs> You'll be running too. But I will not drive them out in a single year because the land will become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. Listen, there's a good teaching right there. Little by little I will drive them out before you. Why? Because they weren't strong enough to take the land. All at once. We need to build ourselves up so we can withstand the attacks of the enemy. So we can be strong, mature in the word and on our faith. How do we increase? We increase our spiritual lives <clears throat> by reading the word by prayer prayer moves the hand of God and just like a bodybuilder or a weightlifter how do they increase their muscles they got to work out we too got to work out our spiritual lives how do you increase your endurance by running a little farther each day. By building up your lungs. Building up your heart. <clears throat> Until you're able to run that marathon. You just don't go out and run a marathon. You practice, you train. It's the same thing with being a soldier in, in Christ's army. We have to read the word. We have to pray. We have to train. It says, I will establish you. I will establish your borders 
from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines, and from the desert to the river, I will hand you over, I will hand over you to you the people who live in the land, and you will drive them out before you. Do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. Do you hear that? Do not make a covenant with the enemy. Do not make a covenant with those who are against you or with their gods. Do not let them live in your land or they will, they will cause you to sin against me. See, this is what's happened in our country. This is what's happened to a lot of our children that go off to college and who get taught by these professors, which is one of those realms, academia, is one of those realms where we should have a high influence. Do you know that the Muslims, they teach their kids from an early age And they train them up. They influence. They have a realm of influence that's working its way into our colleges. To train even our kids. That's why it's important that we get trained up on a good foundation, a solid rock. And we don't let the enemy erode it. We should be the ones influencing and spreading Christianity through the colleges. We should be raising up Christian professors to teach the Word of God, the truth, the light, the way. Instead of teaching false gods. Do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. Do not let them live in your land or they will cause you to sin. Against me, because the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare to you. Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the seventy of the elders of Israel you are to worship. As the seventy of the elders of Israel... And it says, you are to worship at a distance, but Moses alone is to approach the Lord. The others must not come near, and the people may not come up with him. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice. Everything the Lord has said, we will do. Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. Then he got up early the next morning and he built an altar to the, at the foot of the mountain. And he set up 12 stone pillars representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he sent the young Israelite men. And they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in the bowls, and the other half he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant, and he read it to all the people. They responded, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey.
Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of sapphire. Clear as the sky itself. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God and they ate and drank. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay here and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and commandments I have written for their instruction. Then Moses set out with Joshua, his aide. And Moses went up on the mountain of God. He said to the elders, wait here, for as until we come back to you. Wait here for us until we come back to you. Aaron and her are with you, and anyone involved in the dispute can go to them. When Moses went up to the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai for six days. The cloud covered the mountain, and the seventy and on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain. Then men entered the cloud. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went on up the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain for forty days and forty nights. Can you imagine that? I'd build me a memorial to that in a heartbeat. I would want to remember that forever. Can you imagine just being the 70 elders and seeing God on his throne and what him looking like a paved floor of sapphire that was clear as the sky? Can you imagine that sight? I tell you what, we're all going to see it someday. All going to see it someday. Moses built a monument to remember. Joshua built a monument as a remembrance also. You know, I have often sat here and just thinking, wondering, you know, Joshua probably built... A remembrance monument. Because you know why? Because he was trained by Moses, who he saw build a monument. Right? That's why it's important for us as adults to train our kids in the way of the Lord. Because it says in the end that they will return and not depart from it. Excuse me. Not depart from it. It's important. These things happen when you get old. Joshua, chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. It says, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood, and to carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay at night. Will you stay tonight? 
So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God until the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you what do these stones mean you tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan the waters of the Jordan were cut off these stones these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever so the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them they took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan, at the spot where the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there, there to this day. They set up a monument to remind them what the Lord did for the Israelites. Do you know that they say that the Jordan River, when they crossed it over, was at flood stage? And all the priests had to do was carry the ark out, and as soon as the priest's feet started touching the water, it just started receding back. Now, you know what flood stage is like. Can you imagine the river? I think the Jordan's even bigger than the Susquehanna. But just imagine the Susquehanna at flood stage. We've seen it at flood stage twice. Can you imagine all that water being stood up? Amazing. And then the Israelites going back out there after they've crossed over... Twelve men from each, one from each tribe, and going back in there to get a stone, put it on their shoulders, and coming and going back to the other side and building a monument. So they would remember what the Lord's done when they delivered them from the wilderness and into the promised land. That's why we have monuments, so we can remember. So we can remember. They say they want to tear down or blow up Mount Rushmore. Can you imagine that's one of the seven wonders of the world? Our founding fathers are up there. It sickens me, especially after we've just celebrated the 4th of July, our Independence Day. If it wasn't for those founding fathers, we would never have a 4th of July. In our nation. We'd be still bowing down to the king. Can you imagine having our Independence Day wiped out or removed? Can you imagine that? 
I think there would be a pretty good rebellion going on in our nation, especially in Tioga County. After last night's fireworks display and hearing all the fireworks all around, holy cow, I heard more fireworks last night than I've ever heard of in our county. There are fireworks everywhere going off. It's important to remember. It was important for God for us to remember. It was important for God to put up monuments for remembrances. These are just a couple examples. You know, that's not the only memorial Joshua built. Joshua built another one when they crossed another river. When they wanted to, some of the tribes of Israel wanted to stay on one side. And the others went on. They said, we're putting this up here so we won't forget the covenant that we have with you. So that our future children would know that those are your brothers over there. And they're not your enemy. You know, it makes me think of what Paul said. We fight not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities of darkness in high places. We're in a battle. And we need to remember who we are as a church. We're in a battle. Our nation is in one of the greatest battles that it's ever been in. It's a spiritual battle. And we're coming up to one of the greatest elections ever that I that I could ever remember of where there's so much at stake this election year. Now I can't tell you who to vote, but all you kids now that are of 18 years of age and older, get out there and vote. Because it makes a difference. I don't know about you, but I, I know who I'm voting for. And I'm going to tell you what, he stands for more godly things than I've seen other men professing to stand for. He supported pro-life more than ever and then bold enough to cut out and say it. Standing up for America and what America stands for. I don't know, America is the greatest country that ever lived. We can have this kind of freedom. The greatest country that ever lived. Country that's blessed by God, that was founded on godly principles. You know, last week, how I shared with you guys that the writing of the Constitution the writing of the Bill of Rights all of those had to be inspired by God for the wisdom that those men had to write those words and how there's such a strong foundation for our country. 
that there's other countries out there that try to have what America has. I've heard people on the news channel can't believe what's going on in America. Of everything they thought of America, and yet all of this craziness that's going on in our nation, they can't believe it. Home of the brave, land of the free. That's why it's important that we remember who we are, where we've come from. That's why it's important to read your word so we can remember. You know, King David, and I've told you this many times, King David would encourage his mighty men before battles. They would go out, and he would speak to them. And he would say, do you remember when God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt? Do you remember the stories of Pharaoh's mighty army being swallowed up in the Red Sea? Do you remember? And then King David would probably tell stories of the battles and the exploits that he's done and the exploits of those mighty men. Can you remember Shammah, Jehovah Shammah, when the, when the um, Philistines came to take his lentils? And he could say to him, he's, I can hear King David saying, Shama, come on, what are you afraid of? Don't be afraid of anything. Don't you remember when the Philistine army came to take your lentils and you killed like 800 of them? And, they, and then all by yourself because everybody who was behind you took off running because they were afraid, but you stood your ground and you won a great victory. Do you remember that? It's in the Bible. It truly happened. I can see David, even David, King David, he goes, wait a minute, what am I afraid of? I killed the lion, I killed the bear with my bare hands. I killed a giant with a sling who was a mighty warrior in the Philistine army. A sling and a stone, I killed a giant with me. Because God was with me. You know, that's what I liked reading. All those things in Exodus. And I would encourage you to read them. Because God is with you. I will send my terror ahead of you. And I will throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make your enemies turn their backs and run. That's who you are. God will make your enemies turn their backs and run from you. But there's a condition. you got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. you got to put God first. got to get close to Him. By doing that, you got to read His Word in prayer. you got to obey His Word. you got to follow Him. My angel will go ahead of you. You got to believe that. When when fear comes up in front of you, when you're faced with a mob that's against you and you stand your ground. 
Say, believe, no, God's angel will go ahead of me. Strike terror into that nation. Do not rebel against the Lord. He will not forgive your rebellion. That's a pretty scary statement, isn't it? If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. That's who I want on my side. I want the angel of God, the army, on my side. Amen? I want God's angels to go before me, clear my path, when a single angel can wipe out hundreds of thousands with just a swing of a sword. You know? I want God on my side. Amen? Well, thank you, Lord. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 3 through 6, it says, You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of your ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. You know, God says that there's a monument of remembrance that will always be before you now. And it's going to be written on your heart. doesn't have to be written in stone. doesn't have to be a big, huge thing constructed to remind us. But it's going to be written on your heart. And it's going to remind us to worship the Lord our God and to serve Him only. It's going to remind us to not to commit adultery or murder. It's going to remind us not to be boastful or proud or arrogant or self-seeking, but be selfless, kind, loving, gentleness, self-controlled. That's what's written on our heart. That's the new covenant that Jesus gave us. Amen? And that's what we need to train our children up with so they would remember. Let's all stand for the blessing. I'll close there. Thank you, Lord. Number six, twenty-four through twenty-six. Thank you, Lord. Let's raise our hands. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And may you have a great day, a great week this week. Lord, I pray that each person here would be an influence, Lord God, to our culture and not be influenced by our culture. But we would be changed and we would be changing our culture for your glory, Lord. And I just pray this, Lord God, over each person. I pray, Lord God, that you would increase our influence in our realm. That, Lord God, that you would give us lands, large tracts, and provide our personal protection for us. That, Lord, you would bless us, bless us indeed, and that you would bless your people. And I pray that anything that I've said that's not from you, Lord God, would fall away. But anything that is from you, Lord God, would speak through our hearts, and that we would get it in our minds, in our hearts, and believe it. In Jesus' name, amen.